And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back. And today, we're going to geek out a little bit about gear. You know, we don't talk much about gear on this show, but uh, every now and then we have to because... Like it or not, you're all gear fanatics. I don't care what you say. It's not about the camera. It's really not. But photographers love their gear. So today I have with me Richie Rush. Richie is always an aviation safety expert, and he lives in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. So he's out there in dry country. And he's the publisher of one of my new favorite uh, websites, which is Fuji X Weekly. So welcome, Richie. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Well, I learned about you through Ted Nelson. He is a member of the Fredericksburg Street Photography Collective. I met him a few weeks ago, and he happened to tell me about some of the cool things he was learning on your website. So I immediately went there and started taking advantage of some of the, oh, what do you call it, uh, recipes for Film customizing recipes. my Fuji. And it uh, it was a real game changer for me, I have to say. But anyway, before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey in photography. Well, um, I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, as you said, and um, moved around quite a bit. But uh, I love to photograph and I love to write. And um, I started photography uh, way back in the uh, late 90s when film was what everybody was using. It was kind of digital was just starting, but I didn't get into digital photography for quite a while. And when I was a teenager after high school and before college, I took a trip and I took a whole bunch of rolls of uh, film, and they turned out terrible. Uh, once, I, once I was able to look at them after they were developed, uh, I realized that I had no idea how to take a picture. And so I enrolled in Photography 101 that uh, first semester in college and just fell in love with photography. I've been doing it ever since. And then uh, about uh, 12 years ago or so is when I first started getting into digital photography. and. Um, uh, gotten the Fujifilm cameras, uh, I don't know, five, five, four or five years ago, I think. I got a Fujifilm XC1. It was it was used, but I just fell in love with Fuji cameras and um, started messing with uh, all the settings and stuff. And and uh, that's that's kind of how it all began. So, what kind of photography do you normally do? Well, I do a lot of different things. I do a lot, you know, being in Utah, I do a lot of landscape photography. Uh, like uh, architecture, I've done uh, portraits and weddings before. Uh, I, I was really into uh, like urban exploration photography for a little while, mm. uh, going into abandoned buildings and, and that kind of thing. I don't do a whole lot of that anymore. I do some street photography. Uh, I really enjoy that. Uh, don't do it as much as I would like to, but that's a genre that I that I really appreciate. Yeah, we sure do here. That's for sure. But, you know, I want to back up and tell everybody something. Just because we're talking about Fuji doesn't mean a lot of this doesn't apply to you. And we think in street photography, you know, it's really important to be able to move fast. 
and to uh, react quickly. And one way to do that, or one thing that's very helpful, is to really know your camera inside and out to make it muscle memory so you don't think about it because you don't have time to fiddle around. You know, you, you see a shot, you've got to take it. And like I said, it's important to understand your camera. And Richie is somebody who knows the Fuji cameras inside and out. And I think uh, the the things that he does and the things that he teaches on his website can be, you know, really, I think, very helpful to anybody, particularly if you have a Fuji. Because if you, if you know how the thing works, you can move faster. So anyway, all right. Yeah, I would encourage anybody, no matter what your brand is, to to just dig into the camera menus, dig into the manual, really try and fully understand it. Uh, it's it's good not only to know you know aperture, shutter speed, and ISO and all that stuff, but to really understand everything about the camera. It'll be very helpful to you because it could be the difference between getting the shot and not getting the shot. Yes, absolutely. And one thing that I learned. Uh, several years ago, is you take the manual, as bad as those manuals are. Yeah, they're not usually very good. They're terrible. They're terrible. <laughs> I think well, they're, ja- they're usually translated from Japanese, and I don't know who actually yeah. does a translation, but sometimes they're hard to read. I know the Canon ones are always, always really bad. But anyway, open the manual, put your finger on a page, look at that function, and play with it and figure out what it does and how it works and how you get to it and what it can do for you. And do that every day. Pick the camera up every day. Just like a basketball player or a football player, when they're in school, the coach makes them carry a ball around with them everywhere just so they're used to using it so they don't think about handling it. Yeah, it's good to always be practicing. You know, Take that camera always. with you, put it in the glove box of your car or in, in your in your purse or whatever it is that you carry a purse around in or uh, carry a camera around in and just go out. And if the opportunity presents itself, pull it out, use it. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you tell us about Fuji X weekly? I mean, how you came to create it and where you get the time to do all that work. Cause it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. I, I started about three years ago and I used to have a different photography blog. And it never was especially successful, but, you know, I love to photograph and I love to write and I love to share all this stuff. And, um, I, I ended up quitting that one, shutting it down. And, and then I felt like I really needed to still continue to express myself. So I decided, you know, I'm going to make a, a blog about Fujifilm cameras and I titled it Fuji X weekly. The weekly part was I, I wanted to post at least once a week, you know, that was my goal once a week. and. Uh, it it really caught on. I was I was actually surprised at how successful it's been. It's it just blows my mind just how many people come to it now. And um, yeah, I started it. It was just a little over three years ago, I believe. And uh, just uh, uh, trying to dive into Fujifilm cameras, dive into the settings. I found out the settings were really what people were most interested in, so I tried to focus more on that. Uh, how I find the time to do it? That's uh, yeah, that's. Uh, just my spare time, you know. I I put. Uh, I have a job. I have a family. I have four kids and a wife, and um, trying to balance everything is a real struggle. But you know, I try finding time to do the blog is uh, difficult because I have other things going on in my life. I have 
my job, I have a family, I have a wife and four kids. And trying to balance everything is very difficult. I, I try not to let the blog uh, and photography take over everything and try and keep everything balanced. And it's a real struggle, especially as the website has become more successful. Uh, it takes more time. I get a lot more emails and questions and everything. And I love to be helpful. That's that's one thing I love to do is just be helpful to other people in their photography. So I'm, I'm glad to receive all those messages and uh, to be helpful when I can. But it is it is tough to find the time to do it all. Yeah, it really is. That and social media really starts to eat up a lot of time. And when you have four kids, man, that's, I mean, one child takes up a lot of time. Four must be, you know, five times that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, especially the younger they are, the the more um, you have to really be um, taking care of them, getting them dressed or or be more active in, you know, feeding them and taking care of them and everything. But the older they are, they become a little bit more independent. So it uh, makes it a little easier. Now, we all buy these cameras. We buy these really nice, highly functional digital cameras that can do a lot of things. And so many of us, and I'm saying us because this happens to me, seem to have a draw are drawn back to film in some way many people are drawn to film and you know they'll get a film camera and they'll buy some film and shoot it and it looks like crap but the, but they know but they you know but they know they want to get that that old film look so what yeah. do they do they start to to turn to well either post processing software like silver effects or uh, things you can do in Lightroom, um, or they start to use film simulations that are built into the camera. And that's why I was drawn to your website because Ted told me about your your recipes that you create to emulate various film uh, film styles. And you know, I always knew it was there. Like I said, I, I told you earlier, I've been using Fuji cameras since uh, since the X100 came out. And, you know, I knew the styles were in there, and I'd play with them every now and then. But never really used them much until I saw your website and saw how you can tweak those a little bit and save them in custom settings. And I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, the reason I did it is I wanted to save time. I want, I, I have a, a black and white look I try to be consistent with, and I thought I'd try to do that in camera, at least get as close as I can to save me time on the back end. Yeah, that, that's kind of how all these, uh, film simulation recipes is what I, what I call them. Uh, how all this got started is I had, I was taking uh, raw plus JPEG on my Fujifilm X100F. And after messing around with the uh, raw file in software, I was noticing that the results weren't that much different than the JPEG. They were pretty close. So my finished photograph looked very close to my straight out of camera JPEG. And I thought, you know, why am I spending all this time editing a picture where I can get very close to that right out of camera? And so then I started messing with the settings and, and seeing how, cl how close can I get to it, you know? And then it, that started, that evolved into, well, I could get close to what the look I'm after, but can I get close to this, these other looks? Can I recreate a film look? Can I make this look like analog? And I started uh, just trying to create a whole bunch of different looks in camera 
to mimic those things. You know, I, I grew up shooting film. That's why I learned photography, um, shot film for a really long time. And I love the aesthetic of film, but I love the convenience of digital. And I think that's for a lot of people, that's what it is. Uh, the digital cameras are just so convenient and you get an instant image and um, you can redo it very easily. You know, a frame doesn't, an exposure doesn't cost you extra money. Uh, but the aesthetic of uh, film just looks really nice. And I think people, a lot of people know that. They just want that look, but they don't want to go through the uh, hassle of, of learning film and developing film and all that stuff, it, the expense of it and that kind of thing. So in the Fuji cameras, at least the ones I know about, have they have seven custom settings where you can save different film simulations or whatever, really. Um, so what are your seven? Oh, I was just having a discussion. <laughs> right now. Right now, uh, the seven are all experiments that haven't come out yet. Right. I have a whole bunch that I'm working on right now. Um, I usually try and keep a few that are my favorites on there. Um, but uh, right now, it's just uh, just all experiments that hopefully will all be on the website at some point. Uh, but uh, yeah, so most of the Fujifilm cameras have seven. There's the, the XX10 has four, I believe. And some of the, like, the Bayer sensor ones ha don't have that function at all you have just one um, but most have seven and i wish you could put in more i wish i wish you know it'd be really nice is if fujifilm had on their app where you could store a whole bunch of ones and you could choose and use the app to to program those into your camera i think that would be a neat feature if fujifilm is listening i don't know if they are but oh they do they listen to us constantly yeah, so so hopefully no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no. Hopefully they heard that and hopefully they they implement that at some point cuz you know, it would be great if you could store, you know, 25 on something and then load the seven you want, you know, with a click of a button. Yeah, I you know, I became interested in doing this when I liked I mean one of the reasons I bought um I think it was my X-Pro2 was I wanted the, the Acros simulation. But when I used it, it just seemed so flat to me. And yeah. I basically stopped using it. And then when I saw your your recipes, I mean, just a couple simple tweaks, um, adjusting the shadows and the highlights made a huge difference. Yeah, just just that, or even like a white balance change, and you don't usually think mm -hmm. of white balance with black and white. Yeah, but you know that can have a big impact on on how it looks. Yeah, it really does. As a matter of fact, one of my uh, one of my recipes that I have, um, I tweak the white balance quite a bit, and and if if I switch it to color, it looks really wacky. <laughs> you know, if if I yeah, if I change it on the fly to standard or something it looks looks really wacky but in black and white it looks really cool yeah so what's the most uh what's the most popular recipe that you see people using i mean uh, do you pay attention to that yeah I, I i do pay attention a little bit and it seems like anything with kodak kodachrome or portra in the name those are the ones that are by far the most popular 
Um, and, and it makes sense because those films were very popular and people want those looks. So if you can get something very close to that in your camera, you know, that's, that's amazing. You know, that's, that's a game changer for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, it really is. Are you using the, uh, the, the Fuji X raw studio? I have used it. Um, uh, kind of my philosophy is I want to be able to uh, do with the things that I want to do in camera. So to me, if you're using X raw studio, it's kind of not that much different than if you're using Lightroom or something else. Um, so I, I honestly, I haven't used it in probably over a year, uh, but I have used it before. Yeah. I just, matter of fact, I ran into somebody else through your website. Uh, was somebody who contributed a recipe. Yeah. He was like a guest poster. And I noticed he had uh, some articles using Fuji X raw studio, which, you know, I never paid attention to it at all. And then I saw that you can, you can take some raw photos, upload them to your computer and then use Fuji X raw studio to see how different film simulations and different recipes look. Yeah. And it's my understanding. You can also program presets. So you can actually program a whole bunch of different recipes into there and, and you can kind of apply those presets fairly easily to a raw picture. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't do that just cause I use, use, um, uh, Lightroom so much. Yeah. I would rather get it in the camera, but it's a, it's a way to make those tweaks and be able to see what they look like and then save those changes in your camera permanently. Yeah. So, so the way I do it might, might be slower or maybe a, a little more old fashioned, but I actually use the in-camera raw, pro, you know, raw processor Okay. to, to a lot of times when I'm trying to create a look, I'll, and it's kind of time consuming a little bit because you, you make a change and then you have to hit the, uh, the Q button to see what that did to the picture. And then, okay, go back and make another change and hit the Q button, look at it again and, and keep doing that, you know, to try and get the, the look that you're trying to create. And then, and then when I think I have it, I then test it out, uh, take a bunch of pictures with it, see if I still like it sometimes, or, you know, a lot of times I don't, and I make some more changes and, and it's a whole process, but I, I try and do it all in the camera. Hey, that's what works. Yeah, it works for me. It, it may seem like a, you know, not, not a very smart way to do it, but that's, that's how I do it. It works for me. Yeah. So what are you shooting with now? Well, I have the main camera, the one I'm using the most is a Fujifilm X100V. I just love it. Um, it, it was a birthday gift for my wife. Thank you, Amanda. And uh, yeah, <laughs> nice wife. It, yeah, it was it was a shock when I when I opened up that gift, and uh, I I just love it. And ninety percent of the time, that's what I'm shooting with. And I just uh, there's there's nothing about the camera that I don't like. It just just uh, all there's one thing I don't like, and I and I hope Fujifilm fixes this. And is that and that's the clarity feature just slows down mm -hmm. the camera so much. I've heard that. Yeah, so if if they could come up with a way through a firmware update or something to uh, to speed that up a little bit, that would be appreciated. But uh, but other than that, I just absolutely love the camera. And then uh, I also have a Fujifilm XT30 that I use sometimes. 
and uh, and then I have an XT1 and an <laughs> XM1 that I use from every now and then. Yeah, yeah. I have a. I still have the X100F. I have. I keep resisting upgrading to the V. I have that and the X Pro Two and the. I still have the XT1, which I I really like. Yeah, the XT1 is a you know fantastic camera, and I especially like putting vintage lenses on it and using an adapter. Uh, that, that's the way I shoot that camera. I, I very rarely put uh, like a Fujinon lens on it. It's almost always a old film lens of some sort that's on there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So which uh, which Fuji lenses are you using? The uh, the my favorite ones are the thirty five millimeter f two and the mm. ninety millimeter f two. Those are the ones I use the most, and uh, they're just super sharp, super fantastic lenses. Um, I have uh, I have the hundred to four hundred millimeter. Uh, I use that occasionally, uh, but it's so big and heavy, it's hard to. Yeah, that's it's hard to. Yeah, it, it's very limited in scope of what you can do with it. But but I use it sometimes. The most expensive lens I have ever owned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have uh, the, my wife has, my wife also shoots Fujifilm cameras. And uh, she has the uh, 10 to 24 uh, zoom. And I, I borrow that occasionally. Um, and then I have, you know, a couple third party lenses and a bunch of old vintage lenses and that kind of thing. Yeah, I uh, I just picked up the fourteen, and I I love it. I um, you know, I st- shoot on the street a lot, yeah. and I, I I like to shoot wide, and yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've taken that off since I got it. Yeah, that's a, and that's you know, I've done some street photography with the uh, the the Rockinon twelve millimeter. Mm-hmm. I've got that too. Yep. Yeah, and that's a really fun lens, uh, you know, and and it's a really challenging lens to use in street photography. But I I really enjoy that challenge, and, and I'm sure the fourteen millimeter is very similar. It's not that much difference in uh, focal length, but you really have to shove that lens into the scene, you know, to to get the picture. You have to. Oh yeah. Really like really put it in there. And that's, that's a tough thing to do. You know, when you're talking about, you know, strangers walking down the street and stuff, you know, of mm-hmm. you're almost shoving it in their face. You're not doing that, but you're almost doing that. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's fun, but it's definitely a challenge. Yeah, it is. You you have to get close and it's a little tough these days during the pandemic. Oh yeah. But you know, it really helps you kind of capture the the context of, yeah. of of what's going on you know especially if you're photographing an individual and um and you know we don't see like that you know we don't see that wide so when you see a photo that's a, a 16 or a 14 um it's striking i think yes hey i'm looking at your website and i um i See a photo you shot of the uh, barns by the Grand Tetons. Yes, black and white. Yeah, that was with that rocking on. Uh, was it really? Yeah. And did you is is the, the black and white? Was that done in camera with one no, of your? That one was not. Uh, that was oh. before I was doing these uh, recipes. Back when you know, I said I was shooting. Used to shoot raw and and spend time editing and all that stuff and. That was before I discovered that you could create in camera. 
uh, you know, these different looks. So that, that one was, uh, I think that one ended up going through, I forget if it was uh, alien skin exposure or if it was like the silver effects. But I want, I, I've had both of those programs and it, it may have gone through one or both of those at some point, but. Yeah, it's, it's just beautiful. I, oh, thank you. I just love what you did with the black and white. And I was hoping you'd say, oh, yeah, use this simulation and you'll get that look. But uh-huh. I guess not. Yeah, not 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 that particular picture. Although I, I, I captured that with the XE1 and it's probably not really possible to get that look with the XE1. But you could probably get something very close to that with like the newer cameras. Yeah. So are you no longer using any of the simulation software now or, or yeah, conversion I have, software? I, I have Capture One um, on the mm. computer and my wife uses it sometimes and I played around with it, uh, but I've never really used it. I, what I was trying to do, I've, I've had so many requests for people, people want a preset instead of Instead mm-hmm. of having it in camera, they want to be able to to make that similar look with a preset. So I, I I thought about trying to play around creating presets that people could download and and use on their Capture One program. Uh, but I found it really challenging to recreate the looks that you get straight out of camera in software. It's really hard to get those to match up. Yeah, and it depends on the colors too. Yes. So you can come up with a preset, but it's not going to do what it did um, with whatever photo you were using at the time. Yeah, you could be close. Yeah, you can get you can get close with enough work, but you can't really match it up a hundred percent exact. And and you know, and a lot of times I, you know, I made I used the raw file, and I you know trying to make it look like the JPEG, and you know played around with all the curves and everything, and. And I got it really close, but even then, I still preferred a lot of times the JPEG over the edited raw. I don't know the the Fuji JPEGs are so good. Yes, I rarely shoot raw. Yeah, I, I shoot raw plus JPEG, and uh, mostly just use the raw as uh, if I need to reprocess it, especially if uh-huh. I'm trying to create a new look. That's very helpful. There was a time I was doing you know just strict JPEG only. But um, but I still just use the out of camera JPEGs, you know, camera produced JPEGs. Uh, it's ninety nine percent plus of of the pictures of mine are that way. So when you shoot black and white with um, with your uh, with your recipes, do you ever look at the photos and just feel that something's missing, and you wish you would have shot it raw and converted it, or does it work most of the time? I would say it works most of the time, you know, most of the time, I would say 90% plus of the time that I'm reprocessing a raw file is because I'm trying to create a new look. Mm-hmm. I'm just going back over my old pictures and looking at the lighting of that picture and, and using that to, to then create a new film simulation recipe. It's a, it's very rare that I capture a picture and be like, you know, I really wish I had captured it differently. That, that does happen sometimes, but yeah, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of data to be uploading to your computer. I mean, you go out and shoot 200 photos, you've got 400 files to upload, and and half of them are a whole lot bigger. Yeah. I mean, do you upload all those 
all those yep. raw files, or you just kind of keep them to the side in case you you want them? No, they stay on the they stay on the the SD card, and then once that fills up, usually I I do a purge and 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 wipe it clean and start over. So I don't I don't keep the raw files for very long. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because they they can they can add up pretty quickly. Well, the funny story though, before I even started shooting Fujifilm, um, I was at the time shooting Sony, and uh, I ha- I have a laptop that's packed away in the closet, hasn't been used in a few years, but there's a whole ton of raw files on there that I never even got around to editing because I was just so backed up. Um. I just didn't have time, and uh, yeah, there's over a thousand easily on there that just have never been edited or anything. They're just raw files sitting on the computer, and and they'll, they'll probably never be seen again. But that's a great thing about JPEG is that you have a finished picture right out of the camera. Mm-hmm. Just get it off the camera. Usually, I put it on my phone. Go from use the the app, and I put it on my phone, and then from my phone, I put it into the uh, you know file storage system that I use. And um, yeah, I have it. It's it's a finished picture. It's it's not sitting on a computer somewhere collecting dust and and eventually forgotten all about. Yeah, you know, last summer I went through a whole process of taking. I had all these old computers with photos on the hard drives, and I had them stored all over the place, and started putting them in Lightroom and coming up with an organized system for managing these files. And then as I was going through them, I started finding some photos I forgot I had that I really liked. (laughs) You know, some family things, some things that I have in my portfolio now. And if it ever rains there on a rainy day, sit down and and look on that computer. You you might find some, might be really surprised. It's like going through an old box of photos from... 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I'd, what I have to do is take them off of that and put them on a different computer. Yeah. Um, that, that runs faster. Yeah. But yeah, that'd yeah, be fun definitely. to do someday, you know. Is that... Yeah, it gets frustrating trying to use old computers because they, they seem so slow. Yes. So what's this file storage system you're talking about? You said you put them on your phone? Yeah. And then yeah. upload them? Then I upload them. I, I have a, like a cloud storage Oh yeah, so uh, it's not a lot to it, but it's just I don't I don't keep them on my hard drive at home or anything like that. So hopefully nothing ever happens to the cloud that it just goes away. That would be pretty devastating. But yeah, it depends on who you're using. Some of these services have just gone by the wayside. But yeah, you know, I think if you're using Dropbox or Google Drive or you know Backblaze, so. Some of those. So yeah. you mean, so when you, you take 20 photos today, you just upload those right to your phone? Yeah. Yeah. It's super quick and uh, upload on the phone. If I, you know, I'll just crop them a little bit if they need to be cropped and then, and then they're done. And that that's, that's it. It's very quick. I've been wow. so productive since I started shooting, since I started shooting JPEGs, I, I was going through and I noticed this actually. Uh, more than a year ago, that the amount of photos that I'm capturing has increased by four or five times uh-huh. since I started doing this because I have more time. I'm not sitting in front of the computer editing the pictures. And I'm also, you know, 
it affects family life and everything else. You know, as we talked earlier about, you know, juggling family and work and and website and all that stuff. And, and this really helps. It goes a long ways Uh, just because I'm not spending so much time editing pictures. And I used to have a Sigma uh, DP Merrill camera. And I don't know if you remember those. They have the Fobion sensor in it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And with those, you you didn't want to use it. I didn't really shoot JPEG back then, but even if I did, you wouldn't want to use the JPEGs from those. You want you would want to use the raw, but you had to use their software to at least initially edit the raw pictures, at least get it to a TIFF to where you could then put it into a another program to to finish it up. I remember it was typically thirty or forty minutes that you would spend on each exposure to get a finished uh-huh. picture and. The pictures are amazing. I mean, those cameras take absolutely beautiful pictures, but the amount of time that you had to put into it was just uh, way over the top and uh, very, it was very frustrating. Um, so comparing that, which I know that's extreme on one end, but comparing that to what I'm doing now is, is night and day difference. So which phone do you have? Apple? Android? Uh, yeah, I, I have an iPhone 11. Oh, yeah, and actually, that's very recent. I was using an iPhone seven for like almost four years, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. Things are expensive. Yeah, yeah. So you upload it to your iPhone eleven, and then so you use like Apple Photos to tweak it. Yeah, you know, if I yeah. if I need to straighten it or crop it or yeah, very very minor edits. And uh, in in a, uh, I even Fujifilm recently loaned me a uh, GFX 50S oh. camera. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, um, it, and those are, you know, 50 megapixel sensors. I'm even doing it with that. Wow. Um, and, then, of course, those files are huge. Even the JPEGs in that are, are huge compared to, uh, you know, the other cameras. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's a huge file. So then you just you upload them, take them off the phone, and move on, huh? Yep. That's very interesting. Sorry, I'm sorry to be asking so many questions about that, but I'm always interested in how people manage files because for me, it's a struggle. Yeah, and I'm always looking for a better way to do it. Yeah, this is it's very simple and uh, you know, time it's a huge time saver, but it takes relying on that straight out of camera JPEG, you know, and, and making sure you have the right film simulation for the right scene, and making sure you get everything dialed in correctly while you're out in the field. It takes a, an extra step while you're photographing, which becomes second nature once you've done it so many times. But but with that extra step, you can save yourself so much time later. I've done the same thing when traveling uh, with my iPad. And at the end of the day, I take the card and load it onto the iPad, and then I can do what I want with the photos if I, if I want to. And then I just let them go up to iCloud. I I don't send them to any other service, but you know, and iCloud gets a little pricey if you yes if you're using up too much space. But then when I get back, then I'll export the photos, and again, they're all JPEGs, of course, and and then pull them into my my Lightroom. But that's even one less step. Yeah, can and, I ask you? Know, you? And it saves me. T- much time so i know it saves other people a lot of time too and you know i I think that's just wonderful that uh it's making people more productive yeah yeah you know we have so little time as it is anyway 
Well, once you upload the photos to your service, are you able to, can you link to them or do you download them to put on your website? Yeah. So I use like a, a reduced version. Of, I don't want to put the full, full file yeah. on there because not only would that take up so much space on the web, they make it so slow, but then also, you know, people steal it and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's a low resolution version of it that I can I download and then use on the uh, on the website. Yeah, well, they look good on the site. Yeah, they, it's not too bad, but sometimes you're looking at it like, oh, if I, I wish I could put the full resolution version on there because it looks so much better than the than than the the really small, you know, compressed file that they put on. Hmm. Who are you using for storage? Uh, Flickr. I know that might use a Flickr. Yeah, I surprise a lot of people. I try. You know, I don't like to use it. Uh, it's it's kind of a social media platform. But I don't use it as a social media platform. Yeah, they used to have a terabyte of storage for free. Of course. Yeah, so it used to be free, and then uh, now they charge a little bit a month or a year. It's not that much, and uh, yeah, it, it's great because what I find great about it is I can very easily pick the resolution that I want for the website from from there, and it's 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 a very easy process for me. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I like Flickr a lot. They, I especially like them since they were purchased by SmugMug. Yeah. Um, who I think does a really good job, uh, with storage there. I think it's a great place yeah, to store it, it, your file. I, file I know images. people were concerned when SmugMug bought them, but I think it's been very positive. Yeah. yeah they're, they've been around a long time and they're, you know, obviously very sensitive to the photography community and they provide great service. This isn't a commercial. I just, I use them for my own personal website, but, and, you know, like anything else, nothing's perfect, but, but, uh, I do like them a lot. Yeah. And I, I've never really had any issues. So, uh, when people find out you use Flickr, they, you know, when they use it for social media purposes, they want to follow you and, and, you know, like your photos and comment on them and that kind of thing. And uh, the reason I hesitate to tell people that I use Flickr is because I don't use it for that reason. And sometimes the pictures that I post on there, uh, they're for my personal, you know, their family pictures or their experiments that the picture might not be good and it might not be good on purpose. And, uh, you know, so it's kind of embarrassing. It's like, uh, uh, showing people your sock drawer or something like that. So, <laughs> so it, you know, if, I wish there was a way to make it a little more private, or, you know, but I could still use the the pictures for my my website. Uh, so I, I kind of have to keep it public for that reason. Um, but that's the only hesitation with using Flickr. Other than that, it's been it's been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I think they do a good job and. That's a great idea. I, I I never thought of that. If you get their paid service, do you are you able to make some areas private? Yeah, I mean you can make pictures private, but uh, but then it doesn't give you the option to to get the link to download it directly to the uh, website. So there's an extra step that I have to jump through. To, to then use the picture on the website. So, oh, so that's why I don't do it that way, just to, to reduce that step. Uh, but yeah, you can, you can make it all 
private. You can make all the pictures private if you want. So you've been doing this website for a few years. It's a lot of work. So what do you get out of it? What's it, what's it done for you? Well, um, when I, on the very first post that I, that I published, I, I said, you know, even if nobody comes, I want to do this because I want to uh, share my photographs and I want to share my writing. Now, those are two things I'm very passionate about. And I want to do it even if nobody comes. And of course, lots of people end up coming. Uh, but what I get about uh, what I get out of it is that um, you know I get to share my passion with everybody. I get to be helpful to other photographers. So many people have been helpful to me along the way, other photographers and stuff. That it's a way for me to give back to the photography community. Um, and that, and that's basically it. I mean, there's there's not a there's not a whole lot to it. Just that you know I like to help other people and be helpful, and I like to share my photography and writing. So have you had any big surprises that just blew you away? You had no idea what happened to you as a result of this. Um, so one big surprise is just how, how many people come. It just, it, you know, every day, every week, every month. I never thought in my wildest dreams that it would become as big as it has. And um, But I, I think I get messages all the time. You know, almost every day I get a message from somebody saying this, these film simulation recipes has changed their photography, has made a, a an impact on what they're doing uh, in some some great way, either by saving them time, uh, not editing or or just making things more fun for them. And it's any it's it's people from like this is their first camera that they've ever first serious camera they've ever owned all the way to people. I've been a professional for 25 years. I'm very successful. And I'm using your film simulation recipes and it's changed my whole world, you know? So things like that are, are really surprising to me. Um, not because I don't think these things could change uh, the way people photograph, but I mean, it really is changing photography. The, the pictures that are being captured today with these recipes will be seen a hundred years from now. And people will be looking at these pictures that were captured with the settings I created and, it, to me, that just blows my mind. Yeah, people look at them and go, God, I can't believe they had to go through all that just to get a photograph like we do now when we look back at you know, glass negatives and yeah. <laughs> those things. So where do you go from here? Oh, you know, I have uh, I recently, uh, back in December, I uh, made the Fuji X Weekly Film Simulations app. I don't know if you've seen that, uh, but I'm putting all the film simulation recipes on something you carry on your phone and have with you. And I'm making it for the uh, Android phones as well. So hopefully that'll be coming out soon. And uh, so the apps allow people to just, uh, wherever they are, you can use it even offline if you're in the middle of nowhere where there's no cell coverage and you can pull up the settings you want and dial them into your camera and take the picture. And I think that's a really cool thing. Wow. And what's the name of the app? It's the uh, Fuji X Weekly uh, Film Simulations app. And it's, it's in the iOS store. And then hopefully within a couple of weeks, it'll be in the uh, Android store as well. Wow. Did you develop it yourself? Uh, with the help of an app developer. He did a lot <laughs> okay. of Okay. Yeah. He's actually a Fujifilm photographer. His name is Sahan, and uh, and he was following my website, 
And uh, he's like, you know, your film simulation recipes would make a great app. And of course, I, that my wife had told me that, you know, more than a year ago. She said, you know, you need to make an app for this, but you know, apps are difficult to create. I don't have the you know skills to do that myself. Yeah, but, I, uh, but I partnered with somebody, and you know, we're working on it together, and and he's very good at it. So it's been great. Oh, that's great! I'm going to download that right after we're done today. It's it, the app is free, and uh, there's no ads in it. Uh, you can unlock some advanced features with a subscription. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll do that too. We we have to support you. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, you. I mean, you put a lot of time into this. This is a really valuable resource for the community. So, pe- yeah, it, people it, need it, to be giving you money somehow. Um. Yeah, and uh, I have a lot of ideas, and I don't want to disclose exactly what they are, but I have some sure. great ideas that I I want to be able to implement in you know hopefully the coming year and stuff, and and so the and a lot of this takes not only time, but also takes money to, to, to create and stuff. And, and so the people who are subscribing to the app are supporting that and, and hopefully making these ideas come to fruition. That'll help the photography community. Okay. Well, we'll be sure to put a link to the app in the app store in the show notes. And and when your Android one goes live, please send me the link and we'll put it in, in the article as well. So people can get to it. Yeah, we're happy to do it. We're happy to do it. So anyway, I got to thank you for for being with us and taking the time. You know, we're on different time zones and not always easy to do with four kids. So why don't you tell people where they can find you again? So uh, the website is FujiXWeekly.com. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram and Facebook at uh, FujiX Weekly. And then the app is in the iOS app store. Just type in the search FujiX Weekly and it, and it comes up and, and, uh, and that's where I am. Oh, that's wonderful. Or wow. you could just Google FujiX Weekly or, or even Fujifilm Blogger and uh, it'll come, come up pretty, pretty fast. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Thanks again, Richie. I really appreciate it. And, you know, best of luck to you. Thanks for having me on, Bob. I appreciate it so much. And I I appreciate your audience uh, listening to this. And I hope they found something uh, inspiring about it or useful to them. Mm -hmm.